0: Not a matter of if, but when a crisis could rock your world. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real world crisis or a multidimensional issue. My crisis squad and I are here to find solutions. We also bring you perspective from others who can increase our understanding about a crisis. In the case file I call Vets Are Us, we look at a crisis facing veterans on multiple fronts. And as this case file drops on Memorial Day, we wanted to bring in someone who knows about vets. Daryl German is the Minnesota Regional President for Huntington National Bank. He has 30 years experience in the banking industry. A side of him many people may not know his military service. Darrell recently retired from the U.S. Army Reserve with the rank of Colonel. He's a Bronze Star nominee and veteran of the Iraq War. Daryl, please share a little background about your military career.
1: I started my career at the tender age of 17. It was a means for an end for me to navigate college. My mother was a single parent. My father actually died at my tender age of two. He was 45. And ironically enough, he was a World War II veteran. Probably along the lines we're finding out now was probably post-traumatic stress disorder, given that he had a massive heart attack. So as I approached my mom about how I'm going to navigate college, funding and whatnot, the Army Reserves presented that opportunity for me. I was what we call a split option. I did basic training first, did a semester of college, and then followed by my learning my actual skill in the military. That summer, I was away at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, learning my job. And our drill sergeant marched us over to these real nice buildings. It was like a clubhouse with tennis courts, pool, and the like. I turned to my drill sergeant and I said, drill sergeant, what is this place? He said, son, this is the officer club. You private's going to lay some sides so they have something nice to look at while they play tennis. Well, I graduated mid-August, September I was in ROTC because I said I'm gonna be on the side playing tennis versus laying side. I was fast-tracked, I got commissioned at 20. And basically for the past three decades, I lived two careers, one in uniform and one in a suit on the corporate side. And it's done me well. I had multiple deployments as a reservist. My biggest one, obviously, was Iraq in 2003 to 2004. I was the operations officer, managing over 4 million Iraqis, 1,000 soldiers, and 11 missions concurrently at the same time. I would call that kind of the Super Bowl of my career relative to what I was involved in, an activity and the people's lives that were care to me. For me, it was really multitasking at a high level, operational at a high level a lot of strategic operational and tactical planning and execution that went along with that. As I wound down my career, and I was fortunate enough to get promoted to the rank of colonel, it was a different time. We were still at a high tempo here in America relative to the war in Iraq. We were still embedded in Afghanistan. So holistically, when I look at the culmination of my career, it was really about right-siding, building, growing, sustaining. And that kind of helped me a lot in my civilian career as well.
0: So it sounds like so many great skill sets and just discipline that the military gave you. Absolutely. Not everyone gets the opportunity, Daryl, to talk with someone who's actually been part of the Iraq War. And there's been so much written, talked about, you know, it's been politicized. But as someone who's really on the ground, you know, what is your memory of being part of such an historic event for the world, really, but definitely for the United States?
1: My job in the military is civil affairs, and really, which is about caring for people really strategically building new communities, new countries, helping to transition a new government. And so we have a very robust mission as a civil affairs officer and having the ability to affect positive change kind of leans into what I do every day. It helps me lean into what I do here now. A lot of parity there. What I take away from that, although it was drudgery of war, the positive impacts that we left on people while we were there. And it's a happy balance. And when I look at some of the soldiers and settlers and Marines and the We all work together, and it kind of is a band of brothers and sisters who are really there to do something positive. Forget all the other negatives that comes along with that, but I think there's a sense of pride and dedication that we all walk away with.
0: I can only imagine. Thank you for your service. All right. I need to share some staggering facts with you. A study published in the National Library of Medicine found 13.5% of deployed and non deployed veterans of the Iraq and Afghanistan wars screened positive for PTSD, post traumatic stress disorder. Other studies found higher rates, and up to a half a million U.S. troops who served in those wars over the past 13 years were diagnosed with PTSD. The study also found PTSD can lead to anxiety, depression, and substance abuse. I know that you suffer with PTSD. Take us inside that for people who don't understand PTSD.
1: First of all, we have to look at this more broadly. It's not about just PTSD, but about mental illness and taking the stigma away from that. Recently we had an event at the office and one of our military BRG members felt a little ashamed that he had PTSD. And I said, don't feel ashamed, I have it too. So to give him a sense of ease and comfort to go after his care. I think as we become more of a progressive country around mental illness, PTSD is just one of those different indicators that people have out there. For myself, obviously, when you're in a combat environment and you're going back and forth relative to hearing different noises, sounds, and everything else, I have the yips. If I hear fireworks, it kind of draws you back to a time and place that you didn't want to be and it it was kind of dire. And also, if you kind of walk in my personal space, my first reaction is to immediately defend. So there's things that are entrenched in you that you don't realize that you have, and it's a result of PTSD.
0: What is some of the therapy treatment or resources that you and other vets can look for, seek out, are offered for PTSD?
1: There's a number of different services out there for veterans through the VA system. Obviously there's counseling that the VA supports. You can actually engage a private counselor. You have to do that. I think each veteran's case is different. Mine is pretty much, you know, find my quiet time, my moments that are good for me. My outlet is golf. It's a time where I can let my mind just wander off and really kind of level set and give me mental balance. Each vet will have a different weight. There's service dogs out there that this one gentleman had as well. So it really depends on the diagnosis and what's going to be the best care for that individual.
0: So important that you found what works for you. But even more important, and you talked about this a bit, is identifying it and not feeling like there's a stigma or shame for it.
1: Well, I think a lot of veterans and this one individual I was coaching saying, well, I feel good every day I wake up. I feel somewhat normal. And somewhat is not good enough. There's only 1% of Americans that really volunteer, and I'm part of the all-volunteer army, so I wasn't drafted. Therefore, you owe yourself and your family the right to seek out benefits through the VA. I would say that it's somewhat of a challenge at the bureaucracy to get through some of the benefits, but they're there for veterans. And, you know, veterans serve a purpose here. We lay our lives on the line for our country, which a lot of Americans don't do. So, therefore, if you suffer from some type of ailment, you should seek out that help.
0: And, you know, as comfortable as you want to respond to this, do you feel like there's been growth in our nation when it comes to the government supporting, people supporting? I mean, we hear horror stories about the Vietnam War and how veterans really weren't supported that well.
1: That's a tough one for me to answer. I could just tell you my own personal journey of dealing with the VA was not absolutely the ideal situation. You have to have a level of persistence around that. And so, therefore, if anything, they can streamline a lot of what a veteran has to go through in order to access benefits. I get that we are about documenting, and crossing T's. However, there's a person on the other end who is awaiting that care. So, therefore, you should keep that in mind. Be a service provider and be excellent at it. There's regiments in the VA that could be minimized in order to help the veterans.
0: Well, I'll just say this from my mouth. Any U.S. senator or congressperson out there that's listening, I hope they really hear you because they are on the front lines of making some of those laws and making some of those changes, maybe influencing those at the VA and all of that. Some other staggering statistics The U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development reports more than 40,000 homeless veterans on any given night. However, the number of homeless vets is decreasing, according to recent reports. But the National Coalition of Homeless Veterans also states the number of young homeless veterans is growing.
1: Unfortunately, that's probably the case. Especially when you've been on active duty for so many different years, transitioning back into mainstream America is difficult for a lot of veterans because you only know one thing is how you get up every morning, tie your boots, put your uniform on and go out and march and do what's required for you in uniform. And sometimes there is a break when you leave what is regimented to you versus where you're at today. How do you survive? The military is very good at structure and order and discipline, but also is very finite on what you do in terms of how you accomplish your missions. And then when you come out and you have to be operate more in that gray, sometimes it's difficult for individuals to make that transition over.
0: You said something to me not long after we first met that's really stuck with me. And whether you're, you know, in the Twin Cities or other parts of your market for Huntington National Bank or in Philly where you're from originally or where you have a home, when you see someone who's homeless, you kind of assume it's a vet. And that really stuck with me, Daryl.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, there is a huge population of homeless that are veterans. Now, I used to work in the D.C. market, so clearly, you know, you kind of gravitate to that area. Yes, yeah, so it kind of resonate my mind that that's what happens, and that's who those individuals are. So my heart kind of goes out to them. Obviously, you try to steer them and say, hey, go get your VA help, because there are stuff out there that can assist them. But because of the mental health block, probably prevents them to go get that care that they're due.
0: Yeah, I'm usually in my car when I see homeless people on a corner. It's not the best situation safety-wise to have a conversation, but I'll take this your challenge to me if I'm on foot to actually ask them, are you a veteran? Have you looked into your benefits? Because I'm sure also there's some mental health issues going on in some of those situations. What should we as non-veterans understand about PTSD, whether we're family members, friends, or employers?
1: Understanding that although I may seem normal 100% of the time, sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I might be having a moment or whatever and be respectful to that space. I think for a lot of us who do suffer from PTSD is that, you know, we all have different red flags. And I won't say set us off, but when we're just probably maybe in a moment, you know, it's not like we have anything that's dangerous in our minds for the most part. It's just the fact that, you know, we need to find our calming space. Clearly that a drama-free world is always great for a vet suffering from PTSD, but more importantly, just have a level of understanding that that person may seem fine, but understand that there's a layer there that may not be, and just be sympathetic and understanding to that.
0: Do you think the PTSD itself is a cause for the homelessness? Or is that too much of a jump?
1: I can't really state that as absolute fact. It's a number of indicators that will have a person go towards homelessness. I can't say the PTSD. It could be a leading factor, but I can't really say that for a fact.
0: What could each of us do for vets right now on a personal level, Daryl?
1: As a person who lived in both the uniform and the suit for three decades, you have to have empathy about that. Because for me, it was having three balls in the air at all the time. Family, the military, and my job. And I can say that a citizen soldier is probably one of the hardest working individuals out there, and they do have a day job. And it's that employer understanding and supporting that because a lot of folks say, thank you for your service, but they really understand the emotional commitment that goes along with that to have those balls juggling at the same time and making sure you're advancing. So. Whenever I see a soldier or whoever, a military person in uniform, and they also are a working individual as well, my heart kind of goes out to them because I understand that. You know, you constantly kind of explain. I remember one time I was in Germany on a mission and literally I was calling back for a major conference call at my employer at the time. And the person who actually was in my role, Regent Presses Daryl, are you on this call? I'm like, yeah, I'm on the call. But I was in uniform on the call, right? So it was kind of like, thank you, but realistically should have been on the call or really focus on the mission at hand. It's really having that level of understanding and empathy relative to what citizen soldiers have to go through. And then when we just had our airmen just go out and deploy for six months and the families go through a lot because that's a key component, especially when you have young children in the house, that you don't have that support. You know, the spouses on the other end of that received the blunt of all that work and just having some empathy for them as well. The soldier may be downrange or whoever, but the individual's back at home is keeping the house together. That's a level of commitment that they have to take on and having some understanding around what that person is dealing with.
0: One thing that seems really positive to me, at least I've been hearing a lot about in the last several years, is employers, and you are that too, employers really do value Veterans, and as you call it, some citizen soldiers. Tell us about some of those really good news moments and how great of an employee veterans can be.
1: First of all, as an employee, I think we're mission focused. We're about execution. We are probably consummate multitaskers, but continue to have things moving forward. You're going to get a person who has been time-tested and understands a lot of things need to happen at the same time, but very efficient at it. We're really drilled in that process. When I look at it from an employer standpoint, in recent years we stand out the Business Resources Group, we have one here at Huntington, which really allow vets and supporters to come together and talk about their experiences to add value to the organization. It's like they're a fraternity and sorority within themselves, which is a great thing, that acknowledgement. And the BRGs, I could say, for our veterans side are very active. Just seeing that makes my heart warm that we really have that community.
0: And it does seem more and more employers are proactively advertising that they really want to talk with vets.
1: That's what I'm seeing. Obviously, I think because of what I just laid out earlier, what veterans offer to an organization really is important. I always draw from my military experience when I'm dealing with an obstacle or whatever, and you know, it just kind of helps me from a holistic standpoint.
0: Yeah, it's like you're not going to turn that part of your brain off just because you're retired. Absolutely. At this point. Well, great information, great insight. Thanks to Daryl German, Minnesota Regional President for Huntington National Bank. We are so honored that he helped us honor veterans and their families today today's crisis brief is sponsored by golf public number one each veteran is different as a vet do not be afraid to ask for what you need as family and community around them try to be understanding and encouraging number two employers Show in deed and action that you value citizens, soldiers, and veterans. Create flexible policies that allow for service members to serve and vets to get help when they need it. Number three, get involved. There are many ways to volunteer time or donate money to veterans' causes and homelessness in general. A couple sites to check out, Wounded Warrior Project, and National Coalition of Homeless Veterans. Reputation issues can arise quickly and unexpectedly. Prepare and plan before a crisis strikes with Goff Public, an award-winning public relations and public affairs agency. Your best defense is a crisis-ready culture that helps you spot potential issues, act swiftly, and reflects your brand's values while building trust with your audiences. Learn more at GoffPublic.com. Thank you to our podcast producer, Kim Inslee, and audio engineer, Tom Hambleton. Catch up on all case files at thecrisisfiles.com for the show archive, plus special videos. Subscribe to our YouTube page on thecrisisfiles.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at The we do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to help with your specific need. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files.